My name's Paul Taylor, and this is In Pursuit of Hoppiness, the Spirit Series. It's a podcast about craft beer and distilleries on the Sunshine Coast. As I've learned over the past 45 years of my association with the Sunshine Coast, it's full of surprises. The bloke you're about to meet fits into that category. Robin Yates' love of the alchemy of spirits began back at uni when he spent his lectures distilling in the back of the chemistry lab while flirting with members of the opposite sex. He had a career as an industrial chemist specialising in extruded plastics, made a few bucks along the way before selling out to his kids and retiring to Pomona to plant thousands of trees so the koalas would always have somewhere to live. Sounds like a fairy tale? It's true. Here is the surprising Robin Yates, founder, owner, and master distiller at Pomona Distillery. Robin Yates, hello, how are you? I'm really good, thanks, Paul. How did you get into, well, firstly, tell me about a Pomona Distillery. Just give me a, a, a pricey of it. Um, Pomona Distillery, we sort of opened uh, December 2019, spent a year, the whole of 2018 building the place. We opened in 2019, and uh, two months later, we were shut down with COVID. Oh, goodness. Wow. <laughs> what a what a uh, beginning. Yeah, yeah. So what did you do? Lost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy for me to laugh. You're laughing as well. Yeah, well, it comes back. <laughs> Gee whiz. We've been at it now again, what, six months, a year out now of the COVID thing? Yeah, just about. Yeah. How, how's life? No, fantastic. I mean, fully booked on the weekends, it's it's really going off. So not only are you a distillery, which is obviously I'm assuming your main aim, but of but you're a you're a restaurant as well. Yeah, we'd never really um sort of planned it as a restaurant. It was you know, my, I was just gonna be a little retirement hobby doing a bit of distilling. And of course <laughs> it just went crazy. So how does a bloke decide that he wants to distill in retirement, it's not something that would come naturally, say, to me. Yeah, I think I started off life in um, industrial chemistry. Aha. Uh-huh. So I'd always had an interest in various industrial processes. Uh-huh. At uni, down the back of the lab, because my surname's Yates, the girl next to me is Williams. And so I used to set up her experiment. She didn't like pushing glass tubes through rubber bungs and things like that. Yeah. On condition I could copy the results. Which gave me a free bench on the other side to set up a little still, and I <laughs> and I put a, an old cheap flag and a red wine through the still to make something decent for the boys on Saturday night. You really did. Yeah, well, teacher never came down the back of the lab. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> it's fantastic having a, a name that begins with Y. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where it all began. Was it a success immediately? That cheap uh, flag and a wine that you distilled into into well, something. Well, back in those days, anything that was alcohol. <laughs> It was a success whether it tasted good or not, so it was a good place to start learning. So where was this? This was Sydney. Boy, you spent your career doing that? No, because what happened, this was back in the 70s we're talking about, and and I had this inkling that plastics was going to be a big thing. Yeah. So I sort of switched into plastics technology, did three years doing that, and then bought plastics processing machinery and, and ended up with a big place making um, lots of plastic things. Is that right? Yeah. And you spent your career doing that? Yep, most of it, yeah. And, and then you decided you'd had enough and you wanted to retire? Hey, I've done that about three or four times since I was about 40, but <laughs> every time I stir the pot too hard. Is that right? 
I keep saying I'm like, you know, a donkey that pushes a treadmill. Yeah. And when it gets a bit old, they unhook it and put it in the paddock and it walks in circles. <laughs> doesn't know anything else. So how then did you come across not only the Sunshine Coast but the beautiful, idyllic town of Pomona? Yeah, well, I bought a acreage there back in the 90s and it was, it was pretty rubbishy full of weeds and stuff. So I spent the next 20 years, I planted 30,000 trees and got rid of the weeds and um, and really turned it into something quite beautiful. Mm. And we've got a conservation agreement with Noosa Council and we've you know, land care and all those sort wow. of things. Right. But it's but it's all come back really to pay off. Um, about three weeks ago, we saw koalas there for the first time. Oh, goodness. And we've always had kangaroos and birds and lots of turtles and echidnas and things like that. That's incredible. But uh, I think that after I saw the koala, I thought, well, there was two actually, a mum and a young and I thought to myself, I can die now. <laughs> I'm happy. How lovely. Yeah, that was fantastic. So you first discovered the Sunshine Coast in the 1990s. Yep. What did you think of it back then? What we did, we hired a camper van in Sydney and we drove north looking for somewhere to live. Mm. A bit of a change, you know, and um, you get up the central coast, fantastic, up the Gold Coast, and, we you know, we kept saying, oh, this is the spot, this is the spot, this is the spot. Got to Noosa. And, well, actually, we stayed the, the night before in the in Marichidor, in the caravan park there, and I just said to the family, oh, there's a little fishing village up the road called Noosa. Let's, um, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll take the, the David Lowe way and we'll go through this place, Noosa, rather than shooting up the highway. <laughs> And I remember, I still remember coming across from Noosa Junction down the hill into into Hastings Street. Oh yeah, and that was you know the trees. That there was a vibe. I had a feeling. I mean, and um, we sort of oh wow, this is the place. So um, we we thought, well, hang on, we don't just rush into decisions. So we'll carry on. We got as far as we went up the up the coast, Harvey Bay, Bundaberg, and then we realised that's not getting any better. <laughs> we turn around. <laughs> I suppose I shouldn't say that. But. Yeah, yeah, please, <laughs> please. We can say what you like. Yeah. You can speak truthfully and openly. We got back and, and there we were. It was going to be Noosa Shire. So right. driving around the place, I found the, the farm out at Pomona and I bought a little house in Noosa as well. So It's a timber milling town originally. Yeah. It hasn't lost that charm from way back when, has it? No, no. And it's changed a bit. I'd say 20 years ago it was sort of the poor cousin of the area. Yep. It was a little bit rough, you know, mm-hmm. you into the shop there and you get a cheese and tomato sandwich, $2.50, but now it's got avocado and bean sprouts and cost you eight bucks. But, I mean, that's, that's the way the villages go. I mean, I saw it happen at Mullaney and, yeah. you know, through Montville and there and, and where you had your sort of your golden triangle was Noosa, your Mundi, Karoi. I think you have got to include um, Pomona, Kinkin and Karan now. They're just such – they've turned into such nice villages – with nice people, it's tended to sort of attract the creative types, you know, your artists and it's just every, everybody, it's just a lovely place to live where you know people and it's got everything. When the basic ingredients are right, when they're there because God put them there or Buddha did or whoever you believe in, and then it builds from that. It can't really – it can go wrong, but gee whiz, it's got a good start, hasn't it? Oh, it has. And Pomona's yeah. got those basics. Well, it has. And if you if you look at the old Chinese feng shui with the mountain behind and the water in front, I mean, the emperor would probably live in Pomona. <laughs> well, that's a really lovely way of putting it. And I guess to some extent, if I may segue, your gins might be the same. You start with the right stuff yeah, and you go from there. We decided at the beginning that because we weren't going to be a, a big commercial 
um, high volume distillery that we'd start off doing it as as perfectly as we could. So all the um, botanicals were organic. Everything was done slowly, um, and the gin comes off the still around seventy two percent, and we and we proof it down very slowly rather than just add the the water straight away. We proof it down over a number of weeks with reverse osmosis water that's got no other tastes in it, and we get a very smooth product. Is that it? Did it come naturally straight away because of your background? Was your first batch good? Yeah. <laughs> well, we we um, played around for the first, I think it was first forty nine batches. We played around a little bit with the recipe, you know, the botanicals. They've all basically got uh, juniper, angelica, coriander, but then after that, you can add. Orange peel, lemon, cardamom, cinnamon—you know—you can add anything you like, really. And you, you, it went a bit crazy at one stage. You had some people saying, "Oh, we've got ninety botanicals in the gin," but you know, I've got friends in the American distillers, and they were saying, "You Aussies!" <laughs> and I said, well, "They said, well, you know, you're going into the kitchen to bake a batch of muffins. Would you put ninety-five different herbs in it?" You know? No. So the whole thing is, is to to be pretty careful of, of selecting things and to make a product that's got a really nice taste. The juniper has to come through by law, and that's where we were aimed for, and I think that's where we're at now. I, I try everybody's gin. I still prefer mine. Why does the juniper have to come through by law? Gin, to call something gin, it has to predominantly taste of juniper. Is that right? And it can't be less than 37% alcohol. Is that right? Yeah. It's funny. There's a few quirky little rules around. You've got one with um, like rum. To call it rum, it's got to be in the barrel for two years. So the people that are making the cane spirit, uh-huh. they don't. They can't call it rum. Right. doesn't mean it's a lesser product. You no. just can't call it rum. Yeah. Is that right? So when you moved here in the 1990s and you've got your pro- property, did you know immediately you were going to distill there? No, no idea. It, funnily enough, it all came from the fact that I was—I really loved that, that that acreage I had in Pomona and, yep. and planting the trees and getting the wildlife. And and the wildlife extension officer from the Noosa Council used to come out and tell us, "I'll pull that one out. That's no good. Or plant this." Yeah. And she was saying that her brother had a coffee shop in town. Yeah. Uh, have I tried the coffee? And I, first couple of visits, oh, no, I'll have to get around there and try the coffee. And then <laughs> when she was about to come out next time, I thought, oh, goodness, I still haven't tried that buddy coffee. I better get down there. So I went in and I uh, bought a cup of coffee. This is in the place we'd, which is now the distillery. Yeah. And I went and sat down at the back and um, I'm drinking this cup of coffee. I think, oh, this place has got such a – there's a vibe here. I mean, I, you couldn't really put your finger and say what it was. It just had a really cool feel to it. And when I was walking back up the driveway to leave, I saw a for sale sign on the side of the building. I thought, well, maybe the super fund could buy this and get some rent. And so I phoned up the agents and we argued about it for a couple of months, as you do. <laughs> Property wasn't so hot in, back then, thank goodness. Yeah, right. And we ended up buying the place. And then I was going to have my little distillery at the front. Yep. And my son and his wife were going to have a little coffee shop at the front. Mm-hmm. But he's, he went to see his branding guys and that, and they said, no, 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 your old man's got the, the thing. You want to do a distillery? There's, you, know, you can get a cup of coffee at seven or eight different places in Pomona. You want to do something different? So all of a sudden we came a distillery, <laughs> and all of a sudden I went from just a little bit of distilling down the back of the garden to, um, to making a, a big uh, deal of it. So where do you start? What, what sort of equipment did you need? 
Well, before I could even start distilling, I had to build the distillery at the in Pomona. Right. And I wanted it all to be out of upcycled and recycled. We had some friends out from London that Christmas. Yeah. And they were saying, oh, in London, it's all, you know, old containers and woods. And so I thought, oh, that sounds pretty good. We'll do that. So I, I had my heart set on railway sleepers. Yep. Because I'd seen a lot of those and, and to cut them up and, you know, but it's almost like a magic trick. You see this, that as you take that first five mil of dirty timber off, yeah. this most beautiful timber just appears. And yeah. it's just, oh, it's, it's wonderful to behold. So you're in the Pomona Bakery, which has got history in itself. Yeah, yeah. And his name was Mr. Baker. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and he made all the bread for the area. Yeah. And we've retained some of the original bakery, which we've made into our wine cellar. Okay. And we're talking the 1900s, aren't we? Early 1900s. About 1920, 30. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, it's had a long history where we are. It's been shoe shop, video shop, bakery. It's been a number of things. And you, it's now a distillery, and that's the way it's staying by the sounds of things. You said your first batch was pretty good. What's changed since then? We've just uh, – I'd try hard to find the right word. I'd say we've probably softened it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Some some of the of the botanicals can be a little bit overpowering, things yep. like cardamom. Mm-hmm. We, I think we may have had too much cardamom to begin with. Okay. But it was always a, a pleasant gin to drink. Yeah. I've got a, a small, or I've got a one litre still, five litre still, 25 litre still, as well as our 200. So we can always experiment a little bit on the smaller ones. Yep. Or we individually distill the botanicals and, and then mix them together afterwards to see what it would have tasted like if I had, what if I'd had a bit of orange peel in there? What right. If, yeah. So, but then also now we, because of the property with the nature reserves, there's a lot of Australian native. You know your Miller berries and the oh. and you know your wild raspberries and things like that. So are they quite astringent though? Yeah. Are, they, are they not mm. as sweet as say a traditional fruit you might or botanic you might use? Yeah, I think just about all the Australian native fruits that I've um, tried are a bit like that. You know your Davidson plums. Yeah. And, but at the end of the day, gin's not a really sweet drink. No. You're only adding a little sort of a, a it's something that complements the overall rather than dominates mm-hmm. it. And it seems to work well. We're doing a few uh, flavored vodkas with the with the native. Oh yeah, because then if you if you say, oh, but uh, Davidson Plum has got a really nice taste, yeah. but then I've been playing around with uh, xylitol and some of the others, so you don't. It's a natural sugar from a birch tree oh. rather than sugar sugar because it doesn't increase your glycemic index and it hasn't doesn't if someone's doing keto and they can't have high carbs the this type of sugar works well. Gee, you're a thoughtful fella. Yeah, hey, <laughs> not not that I ever worry about carbs. <laughs> I'm getting a taste for things. You have brought in some of the nicest gift packs I've ever seen. Talk me through these, will you? You can get off mic there. And uh, what, what have you? What's this one that I've picked up? It's uh, on the top. What it is? Okay, uh, that's the miniature liquor box. So somebody can come in and buy. What are they? Uh, one fifty mil bottles? Are they? And um, they're all fifty mil. Fifty mil bottles, yeah. and there's four of them in, in in a pack, and that's liquors. What so you got you got limoncello. Yep. You've got Turkish Delight. Yeah. You've got coconut chili ginger. My goodness. And coffee for your espresso martini when you. And they're all made by you. Yep. We make all of these. Yep. This one's the vodka miniatures. So we've got a coconut vodka, which right dangerous. <laughs> because when you add a bit of soda water to it, yep. it tastes just like the coconut water you buy in the shop. Oh boy. You don't realise that it's alcoholic, and oh, I boy. and I have to confess I have stitched myself up with it. <laughs> Then we've got our, just our signature vodka, which is filtered through activated charcoal mm. at two tablespoons a minute. 
through 650, equivalent of 650 square kilometres of charcoal. Now, hang on, hang on. So two tablespoons, we're talking drip-fed. Yeah, drip-fed. Through the equivalent of 650... Square metres of... Charcoal. Of activated charcoal. That must be pure at the other end. Well, after that, it goes through platinum and silver filters. And <laughs> See, this is your background. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I again, did... we want to make the best... I want to make a vodka that's um, that's really, really good. Gee. And I've got here the gin miniatures. The gins, we've got the... Um, our ordinary London dry gin. Yeah. The word dry gin came into back in the days when they started to distill gin yeah. rather than make it in the bathtub because when it was bathtub gin, they had to put a load of sugar in it before oh, to make it drinkable. Okay. But then once they distilled, back in the 1800s, once they started to distill it and it tasted a bit better, they didn't need to put the sugar in. Right. So it became London was the style. Right. Because it was made by distilling methods and dry was just that it didn't contain sugar. Okay. So basically we've got a London dry gin. Our pink gin. Yep. If I can harvest enough um, native raspberries on the property, yeah. we use those to do the pink gin. Right. If not, then we use strawberries. Oh, boy. Which are always get strawberries. Which are abundant in the area yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, big strawberry ginger area. Yeah. 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 The blue ones are blue butterfly pea flower. It's a Southeast Asian flower. Oh, yeah. But it's it's a bit of theatre at the bar because the blue turns pink when you add something acidic. I see. Like uh, tonic water, lemon, things like that. I see. So it's a bit of a look. And then there's an orange citrus gin. Right. Which is, all comes from our own orange trees in our little orchard. And Oh, uh, my goodness. Which we zest. Tell me, I don't want to be a zester <laughs> if I come back in another life. So you've got an orchard as well. Yeah. We use those um, that zest to, we extract the orange flavour from the zest and then mix it with the gin to make an orange. Really is a citrusy, orangey tasting gin. We're going to crack one of these? Yeah, we'll crack one open. Uh, you reckon we should go with the standard London dry? Yeah, sure. Because uh, you can't hide anything there, You can't can hide anything, no, no. All right. Well, I've, I've got the honours, have I? Yeah, is that the, then there's some... There's some tonic and soda in the bag there. Shall I grab it? Well, if you if you think you want to spoil it, sure. Or um, you want to drink it straight like that? Well, 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 you're the expert. One of the guys that uh, we're waiting on a visa for, he's a sensory officer with Sam Miguel. Yeah. He he says to me, when you're tasting any spirit, yep. it's probably best at room temperature mm-hmm. and at, at about 25, 20, 25% so that the, you, oh, can, yeah. you can really get the flavours. Oh, the breathing. Yeah, you so, can, it, it can breathe, uh, and you you can sort of swish it round your mouth and and swallow it, and you, you can really see what it tastes like. But when it's up at full strength, forty percent, the actual alcohol can actually overpower a lot of things. Let's do that. Yeah, it's coming straight from his the horse's mouth, so to speak. Oh, that sounded good. Right, I sit yourself back down there, and you reckon about twenty five percent? Do you? Yeah, yeah, you'll want you will probably want a half a bottle and then we'll put a bit of soda or you can try it straight, then add a bit of soda. I'm gonna go less than that. I'm gonna go a nip. Oh, that's less than it. What's that? Ten mil. And so how much do you reckon of this uh soda well, water? I, if you like, you could have a little taste of it. Uh, oh, uh, natural. Uh, natural. Cheers to you, Robin. Cheers. Now this is your standard London gin. Yes. Gee, it's got a nice perfume. Oh, it's got a beautiful smell. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Oh, it's magnificent. Yeah. Oh, it's warm now. Mm. Oh, it's getting warm. That's beautiful. So, so I'll, and I'll, with this one here, oh, I'll just put a bit more gin in it. Oh, shucks. <laughs> it's not too far to go, huh? 
That has got uh, a real perfume to it at the yeah, start. Yeah. Well, that's your, um, your juniper and your coriander tend to come uh-huh. together. Yep. The coriander tends to bring out the the flavours in the juniper. Right. So I think just about everybody puts, for every kilo of juniper that goes in the in the mix, they probably put about 500 grams of coriander. Right. It's quite a lot. You know, so now I've just added soda water to that gin. I t- know what you mean by it softened it, that alcohol the birdie bit has, gone has gone completely yeah. now. And I've only just put a drop yeah. of soda water in there. Well, if you had a second one without any water, you'd find that Bernie bit's gone as well. It's just that first little sip. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, boy, you're really feeling the flavours there now. Yeah, they say that um, it's a bit like a profile of a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. So you start off with the head. Yes. The flavours open up in your mouth like the body, mm-hmm. and then there's the – a long tail. So if you can still taste a pleasant taste five seconds after you've swallowed it, you know it's a good one. Which I'm getting that yeah. right now. It's lovely. What I'm Isn't it beautiful? Getting. It's not like a lolly, but there is a sweetness there. There is definitely a sweetness in this yeah. that I find quite amazing. Yeah, it's very, I suppose, what did you say, drinkable. It's, it hasn't got any... <laughs> The the gin the juniper always is is there yeah but there's a combination of other botanicals there that are all coming together to give a its own little signature I suppose you call were it. you naturally a, a gin drinker because of your chemistry background what was your plonk de choice <laughs> well if you're going back to the uh, days when I was a what would you call eighteen to twenty four when you're a flirt <laughs> with the young uh, uni female uni <laughs> students yes they're the days I'm going back to. One of the things I used to like was a Harvey Wallbanger. Yep. That was gin, vodka, and Cinzano and Galliano. Okay. So I kicked out the, the Galliano first of all because I had a very terrible experience one morning. Yeah, right. And that was the end of Harvey Wallbangers. So right. um, then well, slowly the vermouth and the uh, and the vodka disappeared. Mm-hmm. And and I used to, uh, I loved it just a gin, gin and tonic. My mum always drank gin and orange juice. Because she said that's what the Queen drank. Ah. My, my mum would do anything to be like the Queen. Of course. <laughs> Whatever the Queen did. Of course. So, um, yeah, I've always enjoyed gin. Uh, well, I suppose vodka as well. But gin's got flavour. Vodka's totally neutral. With this distilled stuff, can it go wrong? Yeah, you, you can. You, you can o- overcook the botanicals so they stew a little bit. Right. You can you can do it too fast. So Because we, we cut the, the heads and the tails. That's normal part of distilling. But the, the, there's a very sort of bitter juniper oil that comes over first. Yep. So we, we're always monitoring that. And once that taste is gone, then we start collecting the gin. Mm-hmm. And towards the end, you can get some unsavory things that from anywhere from sort of 92 to, to 94 degrees. With the, it starts to boil at the, the alcohol at 78. Um, but, but round about, and we start collecting probably 80, 81. And then at the end, uh, we cut it off as well. So we get what we call heads at the beginning and tails at okay. the end. And that, whether you're making whiskey, brand, whatever you're making, there's always heads. And, and what do you do with that that waste? Sanitizer. Right. Yeah, really? We were, yeah, we were the first to make hand sanitizer. In the in the COVID? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, straight away. I mean, the first thing, as soon as they said we're shutting down and all this, that and the other, I said, oh, well, sanitizer. I've got to well use my heads and tails, put a bit of... Uh, glycerol and it's to put moisture back in your hands and yes. hydrogen peroxide to clean anything in the bottle and uh, away we went. And it was probably three weeks after that, Shane Warren was all over the TV for making sanitizer. I thought, well, there's Robin Yates up in Pomona, mate. <laughs> and who were you selling it to? Oh, there was such a demand for yeah, sanitizer. I remember. So it, we actually put a dozen bottles at the post office. So if mm-hmm. any old people came in, yep. they were the most scared of yeah. COVID. Yeah. They'd give them a free one. Yep. And there were, were some people that wouldn't even leave home. Yeah. So we've got an old 1948 uh, Morris truck. Yeah. 
So I'd drive the old Morris truck around Pomona with the sanitizer, dropping it off on their verandas That's so they didn't fantastic. have to leave home. How lovely. It was a good chance to do something for the community. Yeah, right. And then you can just click back into making alcohol again. Yeah. Or I can redistill those those things, but I've I've never had much that I've been personally satisfied with. I, right. I mean, I I still stick to it. I've, at the end of any batch, I'll say, "Could I have made it any better?" And I can't think of a, a, how I could have made it any better. Then then I'll stick to that. But if I say, "Well, I could add a bit of this leftovers that's been redistilled," yeah, uh, no, it's not perfect. Then yeah. It's either right or it's wrong. That's so you're doing gin at the very start. So you've only been doing it for a few years, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. Uh, because of the, the COVID interruption. So how long did it take for you to expand into vodka or was that straight away? Probably almost straight away mm -hmm. because uh, at the end of the day, gin is flavoured vodka. Is that right? Yeah. You're blowing my mind yeah, here. Yeah. So you, if, if you're basically taking a neutral spirit and distilling it through botanicals to make gin, if you don't distill it through botanicals – and just distill it and, and filter it, you've got vodka. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. I've said that a few people, it's just flavoured vodka. What? Because <laughs> at the end of the day, vodka has no flavour at all. Right. Uh, I mean, some people say it's just a drug because you, you're not drinking vodka for taste. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's this thing called ethanol? That's that's the base of the that's, – that's ethyl alcohol. That's what makes you drunk. Okay. That's your alcohol. Okay. We just call it alcohol, but it's – Technically, it's, it's ethanol. And and that's the 40% at the end of this? Yep. Okay. And it's 72% when you uh, finish the distilling yep. pr process and then you then you soften it? Yeah, we proof it. That's you called proof. just proofing it down, yeah. Proofing, right. But we do it with reverse osmosis water, so there's no – some people say, oh, we use this uh, spring water and that thing. But, uh, I mean, I don't know how you can get consistency, but also if we just use basic reverse osmosis water that's got no flavour at all, you are getting a very pure, pure vodka then. Right. And could you see yourself making this good a product anywhere else but Pomona? I suppose you could – you, you probably could make it anywhere if you had electricity in a still. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's nice at Pomona because it's put a lot into the local community over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, we've got – I think we've got 35 staff on the payroll. Goodness. All locals. And so it's all contributing to the little local economy, I suppose you could say. Where are you selling to? If you're in, if you're listening to this and you're in Sydney or in Melbourne, can you find Pomona Gin anywhere else in Australia? Well, you can you can get it online. Yep. And uh, Cole's uh, first choice Liquorland uh, buying quite a bit, uh -huh. uh, and some of the local uh, bottle stores, uh, Exo Sellers, sell quite a bit of it up there at the junction. How much are you are producing? We're doing at the moment, I suppose I'd have probably 1,800 bottles in the warehouse and, and 1,000 litres in tanks. And how long does it take to, to produce something from scratch? We would maybe do approximately, probably about 300 bottles a week. Okay. So it's not, not a big um, volume thing. No. Everything's hand-bottled, hand-labelled. And your bottles are beautiful. I know these are little 50 mil sample bottles, but I, your full bottles are beautiful. Yeah. What a nice shape they are. A fair bit in choosing that, or did you just go for the design aesthetics? What was the – Yeah, well, like? my youngest son's um, uh, creative, and he's he works as a, as basically an industrial design, commercial artist type of, of thing, and he came up with the labels, the bottles. The, oh. Yeah. So once again, bespoke. Yeah, yeah. Oh. All in the family. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, well, should we try vodka before we... Uh, yeah, yep. for sure. Did I do that the right time? Did I do that the best way last time? Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's no wrong way when it comes to opening alcohol. <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. It is beautifully packaged. 
Now, I've just cracked that uh, sample of vodka, and this is the coconut vodka. Is this the coconut vodka? I believe so. Yep. Well, you like that. Okay. Oh, of course it's the coconut. Have a smell. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm at Noosa Main Beach. I've got the suntan lotion on. All right, cheers. This is uh, straight. This is natural, as it is, out of the bottle. Mm. Oh, yeah. So the sweetness gets me at the very at the very start. Yep. It's definitely coconut. Yep. And then it's it's warm. Yeah. Well, we're forty percent again. It's it's, uh, it's full strength. So, I like it. You can drink it straight with ice. Yep. Because because once it gets a little bit colder, that some of the burn goes. But okay. So a but, bit of soda water here that's a bit uh, cold. Well, then, then it's just like coconut water. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, 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 you don't know you're drinking alcohol. Mm. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? And it's that coconutty sort of. You put some ice in there, and you're sitting on a nice hot day somewhere. At, you can add a bit of pineapple juice. You can, you can be your own creator once you've got that base. Mm. If you were telling a visitor to the Sunshine Coast why they should come out to Pomona, what would you tell them? Well, you're going to be able to experience proper. Village life where everybody's nice people, friendly. You drop your wallet, it'll be handed in at the police station. Or you can come to our place and have delicious food and drinks. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit of Australiana, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, we've got the Majestic Theatre there. That's just had their 100th birthday. The oldest continual running theatre in Australia, yeah, I think. Yeah, um, uh, they do silent movies there. Yeah, right. Yeah. And whilst it was a logging area, gee whiz, the flora and the fauna yeah. is just magnificent around that part of the world, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, like, that's probably why it was a logging area back in the day because it's it's just a wonderful place for trees to grow. I mean, like I say, we've planted um, tens of thousands, and that you've got the the beautiful Pomona Mountain just yeah. looking standing sentinel yeah. over the township. It really is a feature of the town, the mountain. And if you've got the energy, it's a great climb. What do they do it in 26 minutes or 19 minutes or something like that, the that's king of the mountain? And, that's there and back. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? First time I did it was over an hour. Right. <laughs> Just going up. Right. And the word Pomona interests me. The, the goddess Pomona. Right. It's a Roman goddess Pomona. Mm-hmm. And she's got a quite an interesting story as well because you don't hear too much about her, but... She was the goddess of fruit, and I suppose Pomona was also a big fruit area. Yeah, and she used to tend the fruit trees, and um, and there was a another god in the village, Vitumus, who sort of quite fancied Pomona, but she didn't sort of mix with guys, and she was too busy with the fruit trees. So, being a god, he changed himself into an old woman, and he walked up the hill, he walked past Pomona, and said, "Hey, Pomona, morning, how's the trees going?" And they started to have a chat. He says, "You know, Pomona, just like you know, the vines grow on the trees, you really need a partner." So, yeah, Pomona gave that a bit of thought. So he changed himself back from the old woman, went back in back in the village and came back as, as Vitumus. Hello, Pomona. <laughs> and she said, oh, this must be the one that God told me I should have. And, uh, yeah, it's just, that's the story. She's got a, uh, a festival day. I think it's around about the 15th of August. Yep. So we do the, a, a special cocktail on the day and things like that. For I think it'll... It's only been, we've only been doing it for a few years, but I think the because it's an interesting story and, mm. the, and the town likes for years didn't even know what Pomona meant. No, I've been here since 1978 and I didn't know it meant that. Mm. So it, it adds a little dimension again to the town where you've got uh, this this goddess and the story of the goddess and that's all. That's nice to have something to have think about. Yeah, I think it is too. And Pomona's a nice little offset, like Pomona's a nice little partner 
to Noosa, isn't it? For sure. I mean, you're only 20, 25 minutes out of Noosa. You're still well within Noosa Shire. But we find too that we'll get a lot of business on a rainy day where people don't go to the beach. They go for a drive out to the country. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, the tourists that, that come to Sunshine Coast or Noosa, I don't think they really expected the hinterland to be quite as cute and and, and as pretty as it is. It's all rolling hills and green and it, it's a, and the, it's just, the whole thing's just nice. On that note, a nice man distilling nice booze, living in a nice town. Robin Yates, cheers. Cheers, Paul. Thanks for listening to In Pursuit of Hoppiness, the spirit series, made possible by Visit Sunshine Coast. If you want to learn more about the great distilleries and craft breweries in our region, crack the top of the Visit Sunshine Coast website and look for Australia's craft beer capital. And if you want to listen to more episodes, you can get them there too. For the money.